Did I offend you? Sorry. You are the bastard, though. All right, let's do this. Got my printed out chapter right in front of me. Dragons and White Walkers. Which one will you choose? <laughs> Question mark? Question mark. You don't have to choose between either right now anymore, everyone, because HBO has officially ordered another pilot to add to the list of one pilot that was from the list of available pilots from available material from A Song of Ice and Fire. Now that Game of Thrones is over, HBO has officially ordered a, well, are we calling it a Targaryen prequel? Basically, so. that's the what adaptation the of it. Fire and Blood for HBO. Is that what we're all hoping that that's what it is? I'm excited about this one. I'm more excited about a Targaryen prequel than White Walkers because I feel like I still have some post season eight depression re how the White Walkers were resolved. You think you're afraid that it'll be handled similarly or you're just a little bit you're like, I don't care because you didn't earn my respect in that moment. So I'm not going to be looking forward to you. Yeah, it's like a punishment. <laughs> I would take the Arya stuff, though. You know, it just it opens up a whole conversation for me. I'm excited by all this and I don't want to jump right into being a downer right off the bat because this is exciting. And I, I have all of these images in my mind, of the soaring capabilities with money and time and like I said, all the the direct references and subject material from Fire and Blood. So we have something to base it off of. So we don't really have any weird story-based excuses. We don't lack for imagery. So we know it could be cool. But I find mm -hmm. myself always hoping for, and this was kind of the same thing with Fantastic Beasts. Like it's cool. And I love the idea of visiting a character that I'm obsessed with, Albus Dumbledore, his backstory and learning more about his life and the doing it in the context of all of the people that would be around at that same time in the wizarding world was a really a cool device a way to get me interested about something that i am sort of against which is getting super excited about old stuff i didn't know that i felt that way but now that it's gone through a couple of my favorite things now with a song of ice and fire and the adaptations with hbo um like i said i liked the, the idea of going back into all that detail but I'm really always looking forward to pushing the story into new boundaries. And I think that we're all capable. We're all grownups. At least we're supposed to be when we're watching Game of Thrones, aren't we? Yeah. It's like we're all we're all we could we could handle this. But it seems like um, safe business as usual is the, the name of the game. I'm not mad. I think but so. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic and a little bit more excited, like I said, about this specific pilot that's been put to order than the other one, because I feel like while you're right, it's kind of dabbling in the past. I feel like so many of the events covered in Fire and Blood and what this is likely going to go into are far enough away and weren't, we didn't spend a lot of, we didn't and we haven't spent a lot of time in these events outside of some of these extra source materials. And so I think that it will give us a cool opportunity to play in a familiar space without rewriting canon, like Fantastic Beast 1 versus Fantastic Beast 2. That's kind of the mean. hope that I have. Well, yeah, so it's going to lack that sort of controversial spin on things is what you're saying. Because it's not going to, well, what I hope is that it's not going to try to rewrite the rules right. of the game or change canon or mess with anything it's it can it, it plays in a familiar space 
with for an some though, interesting because the Song of Ice and Fire is so vast, and I think that there are fans that even balk at the size of Fire and Blood, and when they question themselves, what what's the trajectory of the story here? Um, have I seen the end for of sure. it already in the end of Game of Thrones? Will I read basically the same ending at the end of Song of Ice and Fire? Is that what we're all leading to? Yeah. But it was the same story for Game of Thrones, the TV series, throughout the life of the show because the books were outpacing it up until a point, And it was still massively successful, wildly popular. And that was not something that people complained about. I mean, people could could have found spoilers. And let's say if Fire and Blood is copied to a T, they'll always be able to find spoilers. We have the ultimate spoiler, like I said. But as far as getting the story played out in a way that's fun and giving people, artists, new people, fresh blood, uh, the opportunity to express within Westeros, that's pretty cool. Especially in a different period where it seems like the budget of the people that were involved, of all the nobles, was much higher. And uh, I guess it's always just grass is greener. But if, if I feel like they have such cooler looking stuff and they, they speak in such more epic terms. And I think it would be rife for a lot of really cool television because of that. And a lot of great uh, blonde wigs. Blonde wigs, a lot of strategically placed cgi if they have the budget for it i think it has the potential to out, they will to outsell all of us on the spectacle of of prestige tv if they choose to do it they could make game of thrones look silly they could actually do a good job on it at the on <laughs> thinking about the last season but they could actually you know what i mean like do the math and be like all right well let's take a new concerted approach to this and make something that isn't just checking the boxes, but is something that is pushing the boundaries like we've seen them do before at HBO with the series or with the, the, the characters and make us think that old stuff is cool again. <laughs> or the stakes are lower, so we'll enjoy it more because the stakes are lower. Right. But also, I mean, right. this is all just speculation because this is all just there's a chance that this doesn't even come to fruition. So I think that this is all just because I would be surprised if multiple of these made it to air. Right. Wouldn't that be well, exciting, though? I if, shouldn't be. Well, when a, when they when pilots are ordered, it, it doesn't mean that the show is going to see the live day. It means that we might not ever see right. it or it'll probably be offered in a special featurette down the line, depending on which one was chosen. But if. They were both chosen. I mean, that would be a pretty cool release schedule. We could have like a summer series and a winter series. Why wouldn't they do it? The HBO Now Now subscriptions would tick up again. There'd be a reason to subscribe year round. (laughs) (laughs) The hype 24-7. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Would you be down for that? It'd be like having football season all year. Oh, I'd be totally down for it. I'd be so excited. My life would have so much more meaning. I'm totally here for it. I just am trying not to get too excited about any one particular thing yet, just because we are so early on in that process. This could be the strategy of just dividing and conquering. We have the money to do it. We have to compete with Netflix, with Amazon. Why don't we put all of our soldiers out there and see what comes of it and may the best pilot win like the best depiction the best evolution of what we think is cool to see in westeros to be pessimistic i think they can get this less wrong than they can with long night stuff so i feel like there's more creative liberties that they can take 
this route that don't hurt my feelings <laughs> and mess with theories and things like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. From my personal opinion. With the long night, there could be so much illusion yet to be found hinted at even more if George had a heavy hand in it. That that would be a shame. It would be worse than Cursed Child if they were playing around in the sandbox of not only the genesis of the White Walkers, but just the period of time in general that led to where we are in current day events. And that would be not really canonical. I mean, sort of approved, but not by the the hand or mouth. That would be a disappointment. That's what I'm saying. What if it was really awesome? We're like, hell yeah, they can carry the, the torch after George isn't with us no longer. He will be frozen and brought back one day. So don't fear. If it's not finished, it will be finished. I just feel like they had so much opportunity in the latter seasons to do that kind of thing. And they didn't. And maybe they'll come back and try to make up for it. But I just feel like the show has never done a good job with any of this backstory or lore. So why go back and mess with it when you could do something different? Hmm. But I'd be I mean, obviously, I'm going to be excited either way. And who knows if another thing gets added to the mix or what these even turn into. And I'm going to be excited whatever whatever that first trailer is that drops. It's going to be a great day. Yeah, that's true. This will be cool. We'll keep our, our eyes and ears peeled, everyone. I mean, when news for the series comes out, I feel like it's a sort of standard practice now for all major news outlets, even that the series is over, to cover... <laughs> the spectacle that is a song of ice and fire in game of thrones so that is the world we're living in so you will hear about it first before it's on the podcast probably but i'm really curious <laughs> yeah guaranteed <laughs> well, maybe not depending on what you're doing you could be living in alaska and just downloading all your podcasts at once and ignoring the news that would be a cool thing to do either way ideal. we uh are doing the winds of winter sample chapters this summer and this has been a really cool Uh, just sort of effect of the way that we chose to put them together after starting with Dion moving chronologically through the order that George has released them upon the public. uh, We've spent some time in Marine specifically in this epic moment of the battle of fire. And today we're talking about two Tyrion chapters. One is an account from more fan summaries, but we have fan summaries from more than one convention fan which is that's more than one reading yeah you're right more than one fan more than one reading more than one convention so the cross-referencing shows the holes that might come from the opinion of those that are hearing those chapters be read out loud you can judge from when we read those later and choose on what you want to believe but they kind of paint the same image but luckily we have the actual copy of Tyrion chapter two, which was read also at a convention and then later marketed on the world of ice and ice and fire of, of ice and fire <laughs> off brand. So that gives you like context on how you could feel about the first chapter. But holy crap. I feel like you were loving these chapters the whole time you're reading them. Just getting a steady stream of text saying this chapter or these chapters rule. Yeah, man. Which I, I feel the same way. I feel the same way about about this as as you do. And I feel like it's interesting because 
we are talking about the same situation that we talked about last time with this battle outside of Marine, and it feels so much more exciting and interesting when it's from Tyrion's perspective than it is from Barristan's perspective. God, what a! I know. It's nice to learn some some truths about yourself, though. In the heat of battle, (laughs) and for I don't know where to begin when it comes to talking about this analysis-wise. I have. Uh, just pages of quotes that I pulled because I thought it was that good. There's so many memorable passages in this chapter for myriad reason. But um, yeah, just comparing it to that, the Selmy chapter, what a, that's an interesting take. I hadn't thought of it that way of which one I prefer in the moment. George grabs us or at least grabs me. And it sounds like it worked on you too. So that's awesome. Oh, totally. 100%. I'm just, I'm so much more invested, obviously for obvious reasons into Tyrion's journey to even get to this point and everywhere that he's been in order to reach Daenerys and this whole plotting with Brown Ben Plum and being on the wrong side of the battle and the chaos that we were talking about in the last chapter continues to build and build throughout both of these chapters and everything is turning up well for Tyrion, which is also exciting because... It feels like it's got to fall. And so, and Tyrion in battle, he's talking about Blackwater and he's talking about Shay. I mean, you can't help but feel this nostalgic love for those moments. Yeah, it definitely puts you to, I was thinking about what relief I felt. And I was wondering if it was because it had been so long since I had analyzed a, ta- a chapter of Tyrion for the podcast or or um, read Tyrion in a way that didn't make it feel like he was like on his way somewhere. I don't know if that makes any sense, but Tyrion and Essos felt different to me. Mm-hmm. But on a reread, that difference was lessened. And then now while reading this, I'm reminded much of the same sort of references that he would have inside of his mind when he was in a place like King's Landing. So I guess he's just a little bit more sober, sober is what it is. And he's sober in a lot of ways. Like he's think about the slog that was the Miranese nobles and being a slave among uh, the people who were catching the, the pale mare and, and working his way out of that captivity into the, the camp of the second sons. What kind of just slog of a hellhole that was. That was like the, the peak of the confusion and the weirdness of Tyrion's associate adventure before he breaks out of this, this chasm and is hopefully moving steadily toward meeting with Daenerys. We still don't know yet, but. Obviously, mm-hmm. it seems like it's going to go that way. And for it to happen in this way was really satisfying. And like, like, like I said, we didn't get the Tyrion one chapter, but it's, it looks to be centered around a game of Syvast with Brown Ben Plum, which is a nice, imagine it in the context of the Winds of Winter. It's probably somewhere around this Barristan set of chapters, Barristan 1, Barristan 2. Um I'm imagining the context of the bodies flying through the sky and the the opening chapter or the opening passages on, I think, Tyrion 2 and Barristan 2 are quite similar. There's just a a really cool vortex happening. And I think that the the texture that George is writing with this book, The Winds of Winter, it's so bright here at the beginning of the book. And I felt like it was going to be a drag, like a total, like sort of the reminiscent of how it feels when Stannis is heading toward Winterfell. I, I mm-hmm. thought that that would be the overall vibe of, of T-Wow, but we have got this, I think, remember that picture I sent you of uh Marine with the, the trebuchets around it and the Skahazadon yes. and, and 
Yeah. It's just hilarious what's going down right now when you really think about it. You've got Vic Greyjoy yeah, just in the water. He's got uh, – they sent ships that are on fire that are blocking the mouth of the river. So they're pretty well good out there. They're taking care of people handily. They're also landing some of their men on the shore because they've got the water taken care of. What a bloody disaster when it was just that – Vort- not vortex, but that slog I was talking about that Tyrion was just in. Now this is happening. What a, a change and what a bright just burst of energy at the beginning of the Winds of Winter. So cool. Chaos is the ladder, you know, <laughs> what they say. Yeah, you've got but I think that little that's... finger looking through his glass candle, watching the Battle of Marine right now, wondering how it's going to go. What was that passage in the chapter where Tyrion was referring to Pudding Face? Uh, Gorzak? And he was uh, talking about how the Miranese or no, the Yunkai nobles are playing, basically playing chess, playing Cybass with all these people. And, and that they're down in the middle of it playing as the pieces and just thinking about mm-hmm. Illyrio in that moment and how his plan and like all these different points, these little nodes of his plan that have made their way. We've got. The Greyjoys, or a Greyjoy, with a dragonbinder horn in Slaver's Bay right now, literally fighting. Barrison, although he wasn't directly uh, in charge of that happening, I feel like Lord Grandfather being a part of all the stuff out east could have been changed, could have been influenced in some way, but it's happened. Barrison, Tyrion's there. I mean, he was a direct plant, plus the warring factions that are contending for not even this battle necessarily, but basically for the fate of Pentos that hangs in the balance after this is done. It's just like we're not even halfway through the events that Illyrio has planned and that Varys has had a, a hand in and that Tyrion has been privy to and that young Griffin everyone's carrying out. And it's just like it could be the end for Tyrion right now, but it's just like we're we're not even through stuff right now. We're barely in it. I mean, it's very much cliche and I, we say it all the time, but things are converging in such a real way and starting to get messy with all of these different major players that haven't necessarily interacted before. And I know that Tyrion and Barristan have spent some time together and so that's not necessarily a new thing, but you think about the Greyjoys and everything that they're bringing to the table here and you think about all these different groups of sell swords and you think about we're in this strange different land that we don't quite want to be in slash understand this body flying that, through the sky yeah i think that the confusion is so interesting and i really liked through this second chapter how you i really felt like there was not only confusion in Tyrion's mind as he's kind of sorting through his memories and going in and out of these different people who he spent time with but there's also all these different conversations weaving in through the same thing about who's in charge and who are supposed (laughs) to be listening to who and dragons are flying around and the sun is rising and it's in everybody's eyes and the ironborn they've got targaryen banners and there's horns on all different sides and these trebuchets that are being so focused on and 
whose side are we supposed to be on? And these men that are scared to go into battle and Tyrion, these men that aren't scared to go into battle. I don't know. There's so many different conflicting things that are all being weaved. It's like everything he's sort of learned almost just being shown in Mm -hmm. front of him again. And he's just like calmly making only a few decisions really in the whole chapter. Right. Just kind of like it's so crazy how he's just kind of like leaning around. And I guess Jorah is really working with the same stuff. They've both been through so much, even though these are the top guys, these are the top guys in Essos and they've been around, you know what I mean? They've been around the block a time or two. So they're like already when, when Brown Ben, even though he's surrounded by people that he works with is considering decisions within that tent later when they're visited by the uh, messenger, the young guy messenger, um, he glances at Tyrion before he like makes a decision, just like mm-hmm. a sort of respect of, I mean, how could he not? He's the guy he's been playing Sybass with all this time who he had just had that conversation about moving over to Daenerys' side and the wake of all these changes. It's just uh, it was the plan all along. Yeah. It was the plan all along, right? <laughs> yeah. Supposedly. So I just feel like, I mean, Tyrion, he's got it in the bag. Yeah, right the now. scale is so crazy because he's had it not in the bag before, but he's had he's been in the middle of disastrous circumstances. Like you said, we had a lot of references back to Blackwater. He also talks about the Green Fork, which is his first fight. And mm-hmm. we are given these the sort of proof about his humanity, which isn't anything that I really needed, but I like getting it it was some of the more personal and powerful parts of this chapter it was unexpected there was so many different layers george was telling us about the war and he was telling us about the people like you said and he was telling us about what might happen when all of the all these forces clash in with one another but inside of the person Tyrion, it was a kind of a, a readout as if he had been processing his feelings throughout this eastern journey and becoming, mm-hmm. you know, like honest with himself and learning the truth about specifically how he felt. And uh, Penny was a cool device in that moment to cut across his his trust with himself, with his his behavior and his relationship with with women. And uh, it was just like a, a really cool window. I, I heavily suggest everyone read this. If you're listening to the podcast, we're just going to be saying stuff like it's like word vomit. It's just quote. <laughs> at, there was this chapter was quote after quote of of info dump that I felt like George had kind of been saving throughout his time. Imagine writing Tyrion all those years and then not publishing a chapter like this for so long. And so that's what this I don't was. Think we're not even close though to what the kind of thing we're going to see in that's the winds of winter. That's what's so crazy about this. it because yeah. I, I like that illusion where um, there was in this chapter, and there's so many illusions and moments that um, you could go through here with the fine tooth comb and, and relate to other like uh, events in either the series that are yet to come or stuff that has happened. But Penny said something that was uh, pretty illuminating talking about how he should lead the young Kai. Like uh, when he was uh, getting his armor done and he was sort of like processing his inf- the information, his thoughts out loud about which sides were going to go where. And mm-hmm. uh, I was like, well, that made me think immediately of Tyrion with the hand of the king pen or sorry, the hand of the queen pen standing beside Daenerys in King's Landing. Obviously depicted in the TV show, but the scale could be right. There. Right. It gives you hope for all of these, the weight of all these moments mm-hmm. and how they're going to play out. I also had a... Um, 
No, please. I was going to say, as you're talking about Tyrion's journey and just like the humanity of this whole chapter, there's this one piece very early on in the chapter that I wanted to read that I thought kind of sums all of that up pretty nicely. And it says... He had traveled across half the world by way of palanquin, pole boat, and pig, sailed in slave ships and trading galleys, mounted horse and horses all the time, telling himself that he did not care whether he lived or he died, only to find out that he cared quite a lot after all. Which is quite the realization to come at this point when so he very well could die in a battle like this. I mean, the fact that he survived in the last two that he has participated in have been nothing short of a miracle and here he is finally coming face to face with something that he has been hoping for and dreaming of ever since he left king's landing which is just to no longer be on this earth and he realizes he doesn't want it anymore i mean he cares about his life and he i think thinking about that line in the context of just everything that's kind of shuffling through his head, whether it's out loud or just um, his own thoughts, I felt like it's a really, um, what word do I want to use? I don't know. It's like picturesque is almost a thing that I'm thinking of. It's just perfect. It's It's like the right thing. He wrote the right thing in that moment. George R. Martin is a good writer. He's what can he nailing say? it with Tyrion, though. I mean, he's it's it feels like a whole other thing right now. Like the Barrison stuff was good. Don't get me wrong. I felt like uh, the age of Barrison, especially in con- comparison to these two chapters, I'm like, okay, Barrison's older, and he's uh he's sort of like given up on a lot of things that Tyrion is working out right now that he's going to have to give up on, and so he's already leaning into the epicness of the moment, whereas Tyrion's got this this anger it's just this refusal to submit to the will of the world like that moment when he was clenching his fist uh, with penny and he was thinking about how he had sort of now personified the same idea of shay to him in a way in this dangerous moment in this tent with someone that he originally didn't care about that now he just wants to have a decent perhaps ending to her life not even a long life the stranger had mounted his pale mare and was riding toward them with his sword in hand, but Tyrion Lannister did not care to meet with him again. Not now, not yet, not this day. What a fraud you are, imp. You let a hundred guardsmen rape your wife, shot your father through the belly with a quarrel, twisted a golden chain around your lover's throat until her face turned black, yet somehow you still think that you deserve to live. Powerful. I'm going to read another quote that Hannah doesn't want to read with me. He sighed. I would sell my sister. <laughs> this is later. This is good. Penny was on her game. And I, I feel like, and George depicted this well, I think, in, in these moments where you know that you're about to die, you don't have a lot of time for BS. So you're saying probably your best material. Like your your body is sort of spitting it out automatically. And she landed a good joke here. Good joke here. He sighed. I would sell my sister for a cup of wine. She says, you would sell your sister for a cup of horse piss. That was so unexpected that it made him laugh aloud. Aha. Uh-huh. Is my taste for horse piss so well known, or have you met my sister? How often does Tyrion LOL? Not often. He's Not just very like often. Thinking. Can we go back to this, the other quote that you read, though, about the stranger? It just, to me, as I'm thinking about Barristan and like the differences as they're going to this battle, reminded me of him riding on top of that pale mare himself, and how we were kind of talking about him were we talking about him or was I thinking after <laughs> about him <laughs> and just the idea of 
the representation of death and how um oh no did we talk about that well we talked about and are you are you asking in the selma chapter did we talk about how he prayed to the stranger and i think that was confusing or you thought it was a something of interest yeah yeah yeah. that's what I'm, I'm thinking of and just this idea of like why would he pray to the stranger in that way he was like asking the stranger to spare him by chance right he, he had covered right. his bases and he was like by the way magic if magic is real magic me some magic today i just felt like the way that Tyrion describes the stranger here is reminiscent of kind of the way that barristan is described in the chapters and how like he was dealing with the strange, like the strange just kind of coming up a lot. And I don't know what any of that means, but I just, that was something that kind of caught my eye a little bit. I think that there's something to that. It's like this, uh, it's not parallel thinking, but there's this just sort of evocative details, kind of like the blood on the white dragon and the, the veiny blood on the white dragon um, that, that George and I think other authors just do to make us, just to trigger a thought, but to not necessarily spell it out. So in this moment, if if you're right, then we've got these these uh, veins connecting Barristan to this thought, and in this thought, the strangers on the pill mare and riding with a sword, and it looks like he's bringing death. But Tyrion doesn't want to meet death not not now, not today. So he doesn't want to run into Barristan in the battlefield because Barristan will kill him, or Barristan sure. is going to die <laughs> on his own, and that the stranger's not going to work well for Barristan. This week's episode is brought to you by Quip. The best way to ease back into a post summer routine: simplify the morning and evenings with an electric toothbrush from Quip. Timed sonic vibrations offer an effective clean that's gentle on your sensitive gums in just two minutes twice a day. And the multi-use cover works as a stand and mounts to mirrors, putting brushing front and center in your bathroom. Better yet, the lightweight, compact design means you can bring it along with you on those last summer weekend getaways. And brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, making it easy to stay committed to your oral health. That's been one of the biggest struggles for me originally using a different electric toothbrush, there's no directions. It might be obvious to some people, but it wasn't obvious to me that I needed to replace the brush heads on a frequent basis. But uh, Quip builds that into their product, which I think is very convenient. And their brush heads are significantly cheaper than other electric toothbrushes I've found, and especially the one that I used before. So that is a big benefit. And honestly, they're much swaggier. Can I say that? <laughs> it's just one of those, it's kind of trendy. You know what I mean? Like you were just talking before we recorded this about your friend's quip and the way you said it, it just kind of sounded like it was replacing the idea of a toothbrush in some way. And I was like, is this like the away suitcase of toothbrushes? Is this what's happening? Honestly, they go hand in hand. Honestly, so. I don't know if we can mention another brand in the same ad, but no. it's it's cool. All right. It's like uh, they're not competing against each other. And I feel like, you know, it's all in the same, like you said, the same vibe, right? hundred percent. That's why I love Quip and why it's perfect for getting back into a routine. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash Game of Owns right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Game of Owns. It's all very ominous. I think that I think that we're at the cusp of, as we've been saying, chaos. 
and whoever's favored the tide turns to great on them. And I think we can make some assumptions on what that will look like. But um, Bearson is showing respect toward his sellsword friends in the wake of battle and or not necessarily in the wake in the heat of it. And he's I don't know, I feel like made a lot of concessions now that he's been out east. He's a bit more exotic of a man. He's uh less set in well his traveled. ways, well traveled, <laughs> a little bit more progressive. Like he's seen a lot of stuff. He's like, all right, they do that out here. Okay. What is a brazen beast? You guys have different outfits for different meanings. Okay. Got it. Okay. Maybe when he comes in contact with our friends, if things go well for them, maybe the stranger will roll the dice in our favor and they'll become friends because he's learned more things. Right. Well, I just, I think that so much kind of hinges on when and where and how and how bad Tyrion looks in that specific moment because uh, this could vary. I mean, he's caught in between. He's in the thick of it. Like the chances of him putting himself in a position that's going to put him favorably, I feel like seems slim at this point and from this vantage point and so whether he runs into Barristan on the battlefield or whether they meet after once Tyrion has said something to Daenerys to make her believe that he can be a trustworthy kind of guy whether Tyrion and Barristan never actually meet because Barristan doesn't make out alive, which I think is potentially a possibility in this battle. I think that there, a lot of that kind of thing is up in the air. And I think that um, we didn't really get to see, I felt like in the TV show, we never really had an opportunity to explore what Tyrion coming into Daenerys's life truly meant. And kind of, there was no real sense of not punishment, but almost I don't think he's just going to waltz it up scot-free necessarily. Right. Especially if he's in the thick of battle. I mean, so Jorah was the one that took all of it, man. Like Jorah was passing yeah. or Tyrion was passing judgment on Jorah too. Right. Just so weird. I'm really excited to see how that will eventually play out. Another thing I'm extremely excited about about what's going to come next in these chapters is when all of these different horns start blowing and one of them potentially being a dragon binder and what that's going to do for the whole vibe. It's <laughs> so exciting to me. God, things are crazy right now. I, I loved the depiction of the conflict in Marine in the TV show, but there's some big differences here. I... Daenerys is nowhere to be found. She's with mm -hmm. with the Dothraki that are out far away from us. Maybe they've spent some time writing. That would be an interesting development to all this. But I kind of like the idea of this being its own thing and uh, turning into what it will. And sort of like a after the uh, the fight at Isengard. And you haven't read Lord of the Rings, damn it. So this is just everyone that's listening. All right. Hannah, you just take a break right now. So cool. <laughs> after uh, the ants destroy Isengard, our friends visit the hobbits, sitting upon the victories and eating salted pork. It's like, what are we going to do about this? I like the idea of uh, Daenerys returning in some victorious fashion and uh, seeing what they like came up with. 
Like, well, this is the best of what we had to come up with. And I think Brown Ben is seeing that potential future when he's glancing at Tyrion and then ultimately going, uh, Jorah, what do you think? <laughs> it's like he could he could have talked to anyone to anyone in that tent, but he knew where things were headed, or at least feels where things could be headed. And with the windblown turning, whether or not the tattered prince gets Pentos like he was promised, right now there's so much complication because there's so many different people. I mean, there's like 30 youngish nobles that are here with all their money and all their people and all their strange outfits that are playing at war as it is. A few of them are serious. Most of them aren't very intelligent at all. See, that's the thing here. And we can use Tyrion and Jorah as part of our guide. Brown Ben we've spent some time with, but he's a dubious kind of guy. So let's just not waste time with that. Just look at how easy Tyrion and Jorah are navigating through this. There's not a lot of smart people here. They haven't had a lot of time like practicing what they're doing out for real. And uh, they live in Slaver's Bay. These are crazy people. All right. They're doing wild shit. And uh, George is doing a good job of like telling us and showing us those those differences. And uh, also uh, the flavor of Victorian Greyjoy bringing that sort of wild mentality. This uh, it's it's Westerosi, but it's a it's a different breed of Westerosi into the middle of it. And then you've got Barristan. That's like this moral compass among all of it. He will do no wrong. But now that Danny's gone, no one is there to be in charge of them. So anything could happen. Very fascinating. Don't you think, though, that the ease with which Jorah and Tyrion glide through all of this should give you pause instead of being like, what's up? All these people aren't very smart. I don't know yet, because while he has been gliding, you say, Tyrion was really... Like it was, it was tough and it was tough for Jorah too. Like they weren't gliding and, and the same for Barry with, with the attempt to coup and with just bodies raining on the city and everyone thinking that they're going to catch the disease, whether they do or not. It's, it's pretty terrible, you know, like what they're going through for is sure, really it, hard. But it took Tyrion, like it took Tyrion a couple games of Syvass to convince Brian Ben Plum to completely flip in the middle of battle but that's the thing it's not only the side vast it's also the the long game that's being played with the Greyjoys. just the way that those chips were falling like if if vic wasn't there with his people there's no way the young guy would lose this is just this strange we don't even know about the people that are across the river still that that Mm -hmm. we don't know if they're going to make their way so still it's going to be tough this isn't like a complete victory but dragons flying in the sky causing confusion, actually taking out people, eating. And there's this great passage where Viserion, uh, it's like uh, they're, they're all looking at Rhaegal and like, oh, that's, what a crazy green dragon. And then it's like, well, wait, but look at this white dragon. And imagine that for a second, it, just in case you forgot. Like, holy crap. Imagine this white dragon. He's flying. He scoops, bites these dead bodies flying out of midair. And, of course, his intestines are much shorter He's a straight carnivore. He's not going to catch this sickness. He will be fine. I mean, that's that's crazy. Imagine the dragon binder capturing one of those guys and just mixes it up even more. That's terrible. It's so wild. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. That's why I'm like, uh, I'm not ready to make any decisions yet because while it seems that we're going to just be dividing the spoils among people that are on Danny's side. I don't know if it's going to be that easy. And we're only a few chapters into it. 
but this is turning out to be my favorite fight so far just because of the the kind of individuals. We haven't even ran into Dario yet. I wonder what he's going to be like on the battlefield. I feel like I'm even more excited for once the fight is over and some of those different conversations yeah. that are going to start happening. I wonder what those long, look like with who's left over. I wonder how long they'll be there before Danny arrives back. Or what that even looks like. Don't forget that there's Carthine ships in the bay as well. So it's like everyone is pretty much involved right now. Like this I, is a pretty big thing to figure out. Right. I feel like she can't be gone for much longer. The momentum is is too momentous for her <laughs> to be absent from all of this for much longer. So Tyrion is like... I guess it'll be the the span of the book. So let's just say a handful of chapters away from being in dust and blood to being cloaked, robed, and made official, making big decisions with money and power and people. Let's hope so. Do you really hope so, though? Yeah. You think he's in the right position or the right guy for it, even with the like the rage that he had? It seemed like he was about to take out Penny. I mean, Tyrion is his own flawed self but it's like we're saying at the beginning of this episode seeing everything from his perspective is something that just feels so a song of ice and fire in the dumbest way to put it i just i love i love Tyrion chapters i love Tyrion. i love his journey i love this idea of us having the opportunity to read through just thinking about and i i just i think something this is like a very roundabout thought. So bear with me for five seconds. I keep thinking a lot about in this chapter, the way he's thinking about all of the women in his life and how he's like kind of jumbling them all up and all these different memories are all getting convoluted and swirling around in his head and how he's dealing continually with everything that happened with Shay and everything that he went through to get over here and blah, blah, blah. All the stuff we've been talking about for years and years him bringing all of that and him thinking through all of that, but also standing next to Daenerys as they make these major decisions to finally get out of Marine and to actually make moves is something that is so dang exciting to Dude. me. And something that as, you know, as I think about winds of winter and struggling through all these different things, there's moments that, I am really hyped for and I feel like as we've been reading our the Winds of Winter sample chapter that um this is the most excited that I feel like I've been able to get again for Winds of Winter is reading these chapters. Um that's just like time. for my own personal investment. So it's almost like that's I'm what excited. they were supposed to do. Yeah, crazy, right? I wonder if that Tyrion chapter is is lit up or if it's just like a sort of last ditched, like sort of nod to the the Eastern style chapters that he had with young Griff, you know, on the river. That's kind of the vibe I'm that's kind of the vibe I was thinking. I mean, I know we only have a couple sentences and a couple paragraphs, but to me, it just reads as. Should we read those? We said we were. Forgot. They're kind of short. They're just some rando wrote that, though, you know? Yeah, that's true. Although the one thing, there is a point in one of these summaries where they talk about how the mood is pretty tense. And so I think that um, there's a lot of interesting chat, but there's probably a lot of interesting conversation about what Tyrion says to get Brown Ben Plum to want to switch sides and mm. specifically like what are the specific things and why is he so confident in 
what he's trying to sell and why does it work? Mm. I think will be a lot of interesting quips back and forth. At the very least, to probably more of his story down the line. Yeah. Well, it's it's led to the kind of revelations that he's had in this chapter, though. So I'm I'm curious if I'm actually going to learn anything from it, or if it was just going to lead me to this point. You know, I'm sure that it has its own unique stuff, but um, it's just weird to have the. It's it's weird to have not that chapter, but the chapter dude, after. It's so strange, honestly. <laughs> all of this is weird. Just having sample chapters in general is is strange. I'd I'd love to. If it, I mean, I like this. This is really interesting. And that's sort of been my relationship with the Song of Ice and Fire the whole time with the TV show and all that. It's just been kind of wonky and all over the place. But um, it's unique. And I hope that you're all enjoying the experience as much as I am, because um, I don't know if we're going to get an opportunity that's this kind of unique again in our lives. So that's cool. And there's plenty of other great authors that are, you know, doing their best work and then putting it out. You get to see all the chapters perfectly laid out with the right typeface and you get to look at it and go, ah, oh, I can't wait to see what this is like once I get all the way through it. Maybe you shouldn't look at the last chapter names. Good thing George doesn't put us in that position because all he's doing is titling the POVs. But again, some of those can be revealing or confusing. True. It's a hard life out here when you're reading books for uh, enjoyment, but uh, you know that's what we have in this world. We don't only have to learn and survive. We have this really cool stuff that allows us to question what the author might be meaning in this because he wants to tell us something, I guess, through the pages or in a maybe it's what he personally believes. Maybe it's not what he personally believes, and we'll find out. Or maybe he doesn't know what he's doing. But that's okay, too. There's that, too. Down for any of the options. Are there any standout moments from the chapter, like, other than owns, that you would like to mention? There was a few that I had that aren't owns, but I just would be remiss if we didn't talk about them because we might not say them again out loud and less than passing for a while until that book comes out. Go for it. Okay. Um... Podrick Payne. That's a little shout out we need to get. Shout out to Podrick Payne. After days hidden inside musty tents of the second suns, the outside air smelled fresh and clear. I just, I felt this. Though he could not see the boy from where he stood, the tang of salt told him it was near, or the bay, sorry. Tyrion filled his lungs with a, a fine day for battle. A fine day for a battle. From the east, the sound of drumming rolled across the parched plain. A column of mountain men flashed past the Harridan, flying the blue banners of the wind blown. It was time to find his own horse, he knew. Time to don some dead boy's armor, buckle on a sword and dagger, slip his dented gray helm over his head. Dawn had broken, and a silver of the rising sun was visible behind the city's walls and towers, blindingly bright. To the west, the stars were fading one by one, trumpets blowing along the Skahazadon, war horns answering from the walls of Marine. A ship was sinking in the river mouth of fire. Dead men and dragons were moving through the sky. Whilst warships crashed and clashed on Slaver's Bay, Tyrion could not see them from here, but he could hear the sounds, the crash of hull against hull as ships slammed together, the deep-throated war horns of the iron-born and queer-high whistles of Karth, the splintering of oars, the shouts and battle cries, the crash of axe on arm or sword and shield, all mingled with the shrieks of wounded men. Many of the ships were still far out in the bay, so the sounds they made seemed faint and far away, but he knew them all the same. The music of slaughter. I just keep going. Yeah, I'm just enjoying this. <laughs> I hear you like ruffling the pages. You printed out this chapter. Sorry, how, how, how many did. was it? You said how many pages? Uh, I printed out the chapter. Everybody, it be like that sometimes. It's like I was looking through what I want to set. What my favorite parts are. 
I was like looking for my own while you were doing that, shuffling my chapter, my paper. So I don't know why I printed it out. I just like I did. What was the typeface size? I'm curious oh. how long it is because I've only read it in PDF format. It's like eight pages. I took so the PDF. I didn't. I printed it out because I tried to copy the PDF into a Google Doc so I could like type on it and make notes, and I couldn't get it to work. And I was so annoyed, It'd so I just like, like printed it. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> Here's another one. <laughs> from, the, from Podrick, not the quickest lad I've ever known, but a decent squire in the end. I hope you found a better man to serve. Made me think of Brienne, and Brienne. that was nice. Are any of these your own? Not yet. Here's here's okay. a good one. Are you like doing a build up? To yeah, kind of. Okay. I mean, it's such a good chapter. I feel like it, it deserves it. Snatch, which is like a guy that is with the Second Sons that Tyrion quite likes. It, it says, "This is my quote. This isn't." This is my note. This isn't from the book, but uh, Snatch was scratching his balls with a hook hand because he has a hook hand. And Bra- mm-hmm. and then Tyrion was like, this guy reminds me of Bronn. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's, that's nice. Um, oh, God, here's a, when he's lecturing Penny after she kisses him. War on either side of us and not a league away. That's a slaughter penny. That's men stumbling through the mud with their entrails hanging out. That's severed limbs and broken bones and pools of blood. You know how the worms come out after a hard rain? I hear they do the same after a big battle if enough blood soaks into the ground. That's the stranger coming penny. The black goat, the pale child, him of many faces. Call him what you will. That's death. Youch. Okay, Tyrion. We get it. Oh. Here's a good one. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> you can't read the whole chapter. One more. One more. <laughs> Out went Kim. When he returned, he held the tent flap open. This is when uh, Brown Ben was like, tell the guy to come in here to talk to us. When he returned, he held the tent flap open for a youngish nobleman in a cloak of yellow silk and matching pantaloons. George, you could have said anything but pantaloons. I see you. Thanks for the wink. The man's oily black hair had been tortured twisted and lacquered to make it seem as if a hundred tiny roses were sprouting from his head on his breastplate was a scene of such delightful depravity that Tyrion sensed a kindred spirit and don't you love how the end of the chapter closes when he's like i'll take that breastplate now oh damn i didn't connect that yes yeah oh my gosh i hope he wears it for the rest of the series if that breastplate fits i want it can you imagine he's got this like completely the just inappropriate let's just say that i'm sure i'm sure it's people fucking on it right just like a whole bunch of them like a massive oh, I'm morbid sure. orgy if that's what's taking sure if that's what's taking place what if he gets known later in the series by that like he's wearing that it would be really beautiful honestly it would be and are you ready uh, to give your own yeah i'll give my own <laughs> I, I just want to throw in really quick that i think that that uh white dragon with the blood on it Made me think about just Daenerys if she'd been turned with her dragon, not just the dragon, but Ice Danny as well. <laughs> That's just a tale for another day. You should read your own because I've been talking for the last four minutes. Just like reading chapters yeah. from or reading passages from Woods of I have more, man. It's good. I know that you do. Um, I'm going to give my own to Penny for a moment that you touched on, but she basically can't help herself and she kisses Tyrion. And I think it's um, weirdly sweet only because it's just a stressful situation. And so she just got to do what she got to do. And even though Tyrion kind of 
like mansplains everything to her at the end about war and battle and it's like okay cool we get it at least he didn't he kind of cycles through what he wants to say to her and he just doesn't say anything about the kiss which i think is the best way to go so my own goes to penny penny you think she's gonna survive no that's sad Tyrion was like that moment where he thought of Groat had that searing narrative. Um, it's like, geez, man, my own Tyrion Lannister knew better. The gods did not fashion me to wield a sword, he thought. So why do they keep putting me in the midst of battles? No one heard. No one answered. No one cared. <laughs> Such a good line. That's one of my favorites, too. It just encapsulated the stranger and the weird sort of uh, complexity that our characters share with us. Which is and some of that rare. teenage angst that Tyrion holds on to. Definitely holding on to something. Uh, our own of the day today comes from our friend at Brendan B. Fish, who says, "Owned of Viserion, he protect, he attack, he eats corpses midair to keep them from hitting Marine." Thanks, Jeff. If you want to send in your own, whether it's for these Tyrion chapters, whether it's for your thoughts on the potential prequel series and all those different kind of things. You can find us on Twitter at Game of Bones. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Game of Bones. And you can also find us on Instagram at Game of Bones. That's right. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can write to us, contact at GameofBones.com. If you follow us on those social media platforms, and you may have already seen that we are going to Ice and FireCon this year. April 23rd. Which we're so excited about. April 23rd. You've been to Ice and Fire Con. I've never been to Ice and Fire Con. And it's going to be very exciting. April 23rd through 26th at Deer Creek Lodge in, in Ohio. Ohio. And let me tell you, yes, I did go. I was so sad when you couldn't make it. But this year we've planned far in advance. So I'm excited. We've trapped you. We're going to be. I had plane tickets last time. I know. That was a, the universe. I know. It's uh, April 23rd through 26th. It's, the location is so amazing. It's cloistered away from the highway, away from people, and it really feels like you're in another place. And there's hundreds of Song of Ice and Fire fans that are surrounding you, and people are in costumes, and they're really nice and inviting. There's the events each day of the convention. It's a really fun an inviting environment, and uh, it was a really good time. I'm excited you're coming this year. I'm excited that we're going to do stuff there this year. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm or super not excited. this year, next year, but this con year. This school year. It's September. It's a new yeah, school the, year. This school year. It's going to be during the school year this year. <laughs> but uh, we, have a, we have a promo code that you can use. It's GOO if you book a ticket for the con through their website, iceandfirecon.com. We'll also have that put up on our social media already. If you go to Twitter or Instagram, you'll probably see that. But yeah, I'm excited. It's gonna be cool. Are you gonna dress up as anything? Um cosplay isn't necessarily my thing, but could I get talked into it potentially? Dude, that Lady Stoneheart though, I think you could do it again. You could resurrect <laughs> resurrect Lady Stoneheart yeah. again if it works. Maybe I could. We'll think about it. <laughs> So you can go to eyesandfirecon.com and tickets are available through April 19th or until they sell out. So if you want to make sure I would jump on it early, don't wait for it, but we'll be talking about it a lot. The countdown timer on the website says it's 31 weeks away. So 
April feels March. genuinely so far away. It's so. weird though when you look at it in your calendar, <laughs> it's a lot sooner than you think. It's going to be fun. Which reminds me, we have a new podcast. Yes, we do. We recorded episode five last night, which is exciting. So if you want to check that out, it's called It Really Makes You Think. And it really makes you think. It really does. If you go to itreallymakesyouthink.com, that'll direct you to our YouTube page where you can see full episodes. You can see clips of episodes if you just kind of want to get an idea of the random stuff that we talk about. You can find us on Instagram as well there. But yeah, we're having a good time. Yeah, we're just making podcasts, you know, talking about stuff. Just We're just out here. Next on the podcast, you guessed it, Mercy. Which is a fancy way to say Aria, but not Aria, no one in Bravos. And let me tell you, this chapter is wild. Is there such thing as a classic Winds of Winter release sample chapter? Because that's <laughs> what this is. <laughs> this is the one. This is uh, definitely the stranger is present uh, all over this chapter. If uh, we can believe in the deities that exist in this universe, strangers around, Bravos is already a hot spot for that kind of action. But we're not going to stop there. Because why not include Arya's sister in the mix? She's also under a make-believe name. Makes sense. Elaine One, a.k.a. Sansa One from the Winds of Winter. And I will say this for Hannah. Hallelujah. Yay. Thank you. You think we're going to have some Queen of the North foreshadowing? Are we going to start finding that in subtext built all over her chapters? Uh, if not on purpose, then... We will insert it ourselves. Right on. So Mercy and Elaine. There's that to look forward to with Game of Owns. In the meantime, we're, like we said, we're making that other podcast called It Really Makes You Think. And you can listen because we talk about other stuff there. And we'll be making both of these shows. So just check back. And uh, if you subscribe, then it'll pop up automatically. You don't need to keep refreshing it. Just do your thing. And we'll be back pretty soon. Check us so out. Don't Our touch albums that are dial. coming out real soon.